Are you interested in vintage clothing, secondhand shopping, the reselling community, history, or all of the above? Then this is the show for you. My name is Rebecca, and I'm here to talk to you about other people's things. I'm here not only to discuss the material aspect of clothing, but our relationship as a society to other people's things and how we go about obtaining them, selling them, finding them, and enjoying them. Thanks for tuning in. From the day when first we start, each in life to play his part, till we reach that perfect peace, where all care and toil everyone and welcome today to another episode of other people's things the summer is in full swing i'm feeling it outside it's getting nicer and nicer and the days are kind of growing longer and the flowers are blooming it's it's really quite nice and I understand if everybody's wanting to get outside now and maybe there's a little bit less time left for listening to podcasts, but I just want to assure you that I will be here for you when you're ready to listen. I am going to go into what I'm wearing today. I, again, have a little bit of allergies flaring up still, so a bit of a stuffy nose. I'm working through it, and I, funny enough, chose to wear some flowers. I made this little hair comb with purple flowers that I put in my hair. I just got a homemade haircut that's a little bit more horseshoe shaped so I can style it kind of like the girls in my vintage catalogs. So. I had my sister actually help me with that. I'm a do-it-yourselfer when it comes to hair and beauty, and I'd love to be that way with clothes too. I'm just not quite 100% there yet. I don't know if anybody else has experienced the feeling of it's just so hard to make things in the quality that you can buy them in, and it just takes a lot of time and effort to perfect that. So I'm getting there. But not to get too far off topic, I'm also wearing a flowered felt brooch that my friend sent to me that she made herself, and I just thought it was so cheerful, and it matches, it kind of all matches my my purple late 40s, early 50s dress. It's made out of an interesting material. I don't even know what this is. It's potentially like a blend um, with a herringbone pattern. So it's purple with red herringbone and it has these asymmetrical tortoiseshell buttons going down the dress and kind of like a slanted zigzag pattern. And it has one pocket. So that's asymmetrical too. And it has, um, these dropped sort of dolman sleeves, which is my favorite feature of late forties, early fifties women's clothing that really suits my body type and I find that sometimes the armholes in vintage clothing can be too tight for me even though the rest of it fits so these sleeves sort of take care of and alleviate that problem. I don't know if anybody else can relate but it is 
probably my favorite era to wear now because of that, but also the fact that, in my opinion, it's not really the most expensive or popular or collectible to buy. So someone who has been on a budget, it's something that I personally look out for. So instead of striving to afford some of these very expensive, overpriced things that are vintage and kind of trendy right now, which don't get me wrong, I've fallen into, I instead look for what do I like that is not so trendy that I can afford and also feel great in. And this era tends to really work out in that category for me. Fingers crossed that it won't explode and <laughs> blow up overnight, but post-war fashion is is kind of something near and dear to me and I really just love wearing it and you really can't beat this collar it's so interesting because it reminds me of the 1930s um, large pointed collars in men and women's clothing but it is not so sometimes it's fun to see how those elements are blended and carried over through the decades and it's almost like a reminder that maybe someone who is designing this was probably around whenever this previous trend of using something like a pointed collar was around and maybe they really were fond of it and they were like, I'm just going to include this and it's going to be, you know, nostalgic or special because this really worked out for me or something like that in the past. And I like thinking about that, how it's not so black and white fashion and every once in a while you find those pieces that almost look like a carryover from a few years back or even a decade back. And you think that the person who designed it really must have known that or realized it or maybe had a special affinity for that style. And nothing completely goes out of fashion that quickly if you if you really think about it. And some things are just so classic and timeless that they work um, for a very long time or ever or always, just depending on what it is. And when shopping and wearing clothing, I think it's so important to think about that, how it's not really about trends. It's more about what is classic, what you feel good in, what styles and shapes look good on you, and just never making it anything too trendy because everything does come back around anyways, but we should be shopping for what flatters us, what we enjoy, and then trying to find the most classic quality version of that as possible so that we uh, are always looking our best and feeling our best too. But that is not the point of my episode today. It was just kind of a nice little segue into it. But something that I have been wanting to speak about is the history of thrift stores and their current purpose. So why I want to speak about this today is because I have researched quite a bit lately out of curiosity what the modern interpretation is of the history of thrift stores. And here's why. Because I've been hearing a lot of wrong or biased information on the purpose of thrift stores, why they were built, why they were built in the locations they were built in, where they came from, and who they were meant to benefit. And one big thing that I'm hearing many resellers and their supporters saying is that thrift stores were designed not to clothe the poor or as a service to the poor, but 
they were there to make money for their charities that serve the poor. And I found that very interesting that they were saying this because to me it shows that these people who really believe this have never by necessity needed to shop secondhand. And the histories that I've been reading about and hearing are more of like revisionist histories for maybe like the middle class and higher and the higher end of the middle class, especially. And it sounds like a lot of the things they're saying are kind of just meant to alleviate anyone who resells or flips clothing from thrift stores of that feeling of personal responsibility or or being called out for doing anything wrong. And I understand why someone would want to do that. But from my experience and some of my alternate research, I have discovered that that is just one opinion, one side of the story that is being presented as the ultimate truth. And that's my big issue that I'm getting at is that no matter how much people like to say this, there's no real way to prove what they're saying is true. And I can personally prove my point of view because I've been there. And I know other people who have been in this situation who have grown up poor and reliant on thrift stores exclusively for their clothing and furnishings. And I just want to remind everybody that even if you've never heard my podcast before, I grew up completely reliant on secondhand goods, except for maybe groceries. And that was just by the grace of uh, food stamps and welfare. So I really do understand what it's like to not be able to afford anything new. I have been in so many thrift stores. That was our shopping. And it's interesting to differentiate the fact that many people who come from more more comfort, more wealth, they're going to call this thrifting. It's going to be more like a hobby. Um, if anybody's familiar with Jane Fonda in the 80s talking about how she was never going to buy anything new again, I think that there was this movement, a smaller movement of people saying, I'm not going to buy anything new again either. This is so fun to find treasures and not have to spend so much. And I think a lot of people are in that boat and they kind of call it like thrifting their hobby, but it's not a necessity thing. And for people that have grown up in poverty, it was always a necessity and there was never a choice. This isn't even thrifting for us. It was shopping. So I just want to point out that this is a completely different perspective you're going to hear from me. And I just think it needs to be out there. It needs to be heard. Someone needs to be talking about this from a different perspective than maybe like a academic kind of person from the outside looking in perspective of somebody who maybe thrifts now because it's socially acceptable ever since the pandemic and a little bit before that, but never really had to rely on that. And I'm not saying their opinions are invalid, but I'm saying that they are less experienced from what they're talking about and they're going to have a different viewpoint. It is a history for a different class of people than the every man or every woman. And we need to talk about that and acknowledge it. And there has to be somebody challenging these false facts that are being presented as facts. I hit my microphone. Sorry about that. But 
there just has to be another point of view. So I was looking at this one website. This is an example of some of the points of views that are being um, widely accepted and advertised as true from trvs.world. I don't know what kind of website this really is, except for one about, about thrifting and, and other news articles, but this is just a common article you can find online. So they said, still, assuming that thrift stores were an outreach effort to the poor is backward. So they're saying it's backward. In America, these stores began as an effort to raise money that could then be used to assist those living in poverty. So that was a direct quote from this news article, and I will link everything in the description of the episode so you can check it out yourself. And I've seen this repeated on Instagram posts, other podcasts, and other resellers commenting, arguing, saying this. Who told you this? And where do you have proof that this is true? I'm asking the person that wrote this article because sure, there is proof and it is not an argued thing that places like the Salvation Army and Goodwill use their money that they earn from people buying things to support and fund their employees, their programs, their outreach, their again, religious or homeless outreach. Yes, they do use that money for that. But also, they're ignoring the fact that not only do they use the money to assist those in poverty, they use their stock to assist those in poverty. And it's... Somebody might say, like, oh, that's not true. Anybody can buy from there. And that is true that anybody can buy from there. But for the longest time up until, like I said, the pandemic, maybe a little bit before that, not many people were feeling that buying from thrift stores was something that they could feel comfortable doing. Many people didn't entertain it at all. So how can you say that, oh, this the thrift stores, what they're selling, that is meant for anybody, including resellers who want to flip it. I really don't think that it is. And I watched a video recently that kind of brought up me wanting to talk about this topic. It was a woman who went into a thrift store. I think it was maybe a Goodwill or something. I didn't see the, the name of it, but there was a kind of beautiful old desk and it had some stains on the top and the wood was in need of refinishing. But it had good bones from what I could see, but it was priced at about $150. And the woman was a flipper, a furniture flipper. And she walked in first. She was talking about how she was complaining about how thrift stores have raised their prices and she scoffed at it and she called it trash. She said, why are they putting this value sticker on a piece of trash like this? She was just upset that it was so expensive in her opinion that she wasn't going to be able to make as much of a profit margin. She didn't say that, but that's what it was all about. And then she started justifying it saying, this is why thrift stores need to lower their prices because people like me are buying these items to save them this trash, to save it and fix it up, save it from the landfills, which there's no proof that it's going to go to the landfills. A lot of it is decent enough quality that maybe somebody's going to buy it. I don't know. Maybe not that particular dresser because it wasn't in great condition, but who knows? Maybe if they left it there long enough, there would have been a sale to make sure that she was going to be able or somebody else was going to be able to buy it. That's usually what happens at the Habby store. If something sits there long enough, they don't take it to the landfill. Not usually. They'll 
just keep reducing the price until they're basically giving it away for free. So just want to say that. But this woman was saying, you know, I buy this stuff because I know that the money goes to supporting charities and these charities support low income people. And if they don't have the prices low enough for people like me to save these pieces from the trash, then we're not going to be able to shop here. And I found that very insulting because she was basically saying people like her, the reason why poor people can be supported by charities, but also she was saying that she was having an issue with supporting these charities if the price wasn't right for her, which question makes me question her motives. So if she was really looking to support these charities and support these businesses and support these companies, wouldn't she be happy to pay higher prices for her charitable donation in quotes? So to me, that's a giant glaring red flag because she wants things to be as cheap as possible so she can make the highest turnover and profit, which is what other resellers do too, not just furniture flippers. They are, <clears throat> excuse me, they are lowballing, looking for the best deal so they can turn a higher profit. They're just using the convenient fact that there are charities associated with these secondhand shops as a way to justify her demands or her complaints. And I think that's disgusting. So if you're really that happy to support charities resellers, then you should be paying the up the upped prices that they're asking for now. And if that means your business takes a bit of a hit, then it does. And that's just the way things go. Um, to quote someone else that was talking to me, who was a reseller that was angry and kind of arguing with me on my page, they were like, that's capitalism, baby. I mean, I hate to say it, but you're complaining about the very same system that you are benefiting off of. And the only reason, well, okay, I'll say that some people are arguing that thrift stores have raised their prices only because of inflation. I don't really think that that's entirely true. I think they've noticed the upselling or the uptick in resellers who are buying and profiting and over-consuming from thrift stores, and they see it only natural to want to benefit a little bit more. And, you know, again, if these resellers are really caring about the charities that the Goodwill, Salvation Army, etc. are are supporting, and they should be happy to pay these prices. I think that they just want more money to be going towards them, whatever their whatever their charities or whatever they're doing with it is. And I don't personally see that big of an that big of an issue with it. I, I think the biggest problem is that, yeah, it's going to be affecting poor people a bit more now, but coming from a perspective of someone that has always been in poverty and my family has for generations and generations, I honestly haven't seen as many people who are poor complain about the increased prices as I have the resellers. And I want everyone to think about that for a minute because usually people who are genuinely poor I think a lot of times if we find something nice that we like, we're just happy to not have to pay full price so we have money left over for other things. And don't get me wrong, we don't want to see a dress for like 20 bucks or 40 bucks at the thrift store. That's a little ridiculous. Hence why some people are feeling like they might as well just buy something fast fashion or new. But again, I challenge anyone to find a nice quality new dress for 40 bucks or 20 bucks these days. 
again, I think if someone wants it enough and they are lower income, they might be more willing to spend a little bit more at the thrift store. And from my point of view, I might be willing to spend a little bit more at the thrift store, maybe not 40 bucks for a dress, but I don't know, $10, 15 tops. If I knew that it was going to deter some of the resellers from coming in, taking all of the more in demand, high quality items, and then turning it for a profit. I'd be happy to pay a little bit more to deter them from doing that. And I think that other low-income people would probably agree with me. Of course, we would love to go back to the golden age of thrifting where the prices were low and no one was shopping there unless they needed to be for the most part. But those days are gone and we have to figure out how we're going to adapt. So I'm just going to give you a quick breakdown of the history of thrifting that I have found. So the history of the Salvation Army and Goodwill in America was originally created to clothe immigrants or the poor, homeless, destitute types of people. Um, I will say that they had their charities from the beginning and they had men going around carrying uh, carts, going from house to house to collect old clothing in exchange for lodging and food at these charities. And when they collected the old clothing, a lot of them were trained to refurbish the clothing so they could turn it around and sell it in their charity shops. The thing about this is, though, most wealthy people were not going to these charity shops to buy their clothes. None of them were going to be doing that. These clothing items were designed for, like I said, I've researched immigrants coming to the country that wanted to look American. They wanted to drop the more ethnic outfits that they had from their homeland so they could assimilate. And honestly, most of them were so poor. They were traveling on on ships in steerage. Like they didn't have the money to be buying anything new or making anything new right away. And also just in general, the working poor, those were the people that were buying these things. And if anybody tells you no, it was everybody. And it was just to support a charity. They're wrong and they're lying. Like they've never been there. They have no idea. And so there was a giant social stigma surrounding thrift stores or junk stores as they were originally called. I saw in one article that somebody claimed that they had developed or contracted smallpox from a secondhand dress sold by a Jewish person. So there was a lot of xenophobia associated with secondhand clothing because a lot of the people that were selling it were Jewish back in the beginning days. And that was just a whole nother can of worms. But the stigma still stayed. It was seen as dirty, dangerous, just gross to be wearing other people's clothing. And people can say what they want, but I will say up until about 2010 that it was still considered gross dirty, unspeakable. You don't talk about shopping at thrift stores. And I'm from the East Coast, so take what you will with that information. But that was the consensus there. You didn't talk about it. And even if you were going, I went to quite a few different types of schools from dangerous inner city schools to um, schools in wealthy neighborhoods. And the only difference is the wealthier the school district was, the less people uh, talked about it, they would just kind of ignore you if you didn't look like everybody else. And then in the poor schools or the more poor areas, they 
they would just make fun of you more to your face or bully you to your face more about it, even though their families were probably shopping there too. So it's always been like this, more or less, depending on who you are. And I think that more wealthy, middle class and higher people probably could get away with shopping there sometimes as like a hobby or just like a fun thing because they didn't depend on it as much. They didn't depend on it at all. So they're going to have a different point of view and perspective about shopping at thrift stores. Less shame, less guilt, because they know that they don't have to do it. So next, I'm going to say that eventually, around the time of the Great Depression, more people started relying on thrift stores because more people were broke. The economy was in a horrible state. I wouldn't say that it was ever considered cool or socially acceptable to do it though. Everybody was just struggling. And when you're struggling, then you just do what you've got to do to survive. It wasn't until the fifties, whenever they really started talking about and advertising about thrift stores and house, I mean, twenties through the fifties, it was kind of a slow progression. I think housewives wanted to feel good about buying something new for their home. So they wanted to give something back because they wanted to consume, buy something new, but by working with a thrift store, donating their stuff to a thrift store, they felt good about themselves. Like they weren't just throwing it away. They could give it to somebody in need. Here's again where that argument kind of falls apart. Thrift stores aren't meant for people who are in need. Just the money they get from it is. No, no. I mean, you can even ask the old lady at the traditional thrift store that I've been to lately and she was she was just saying like thrift stores have always been something for the poor or the low income people to, to buy their things from. That's ridiculous that anyone would say that well-off people just didn't really thrift. They, if anything, they would go for trinkets and that's more recently. And I have a scientific study that I'm going to link that said basically lower income people, and some middle-class people are going to be the ones who rely most heavily on thrift stores for necessities such as clothing and furniture. And the study said that um, the higher income people and classes are the ones who do not traditionally use it. And instead, they use it for trinkets, antiques, more fun types of things. So I just want to say there that that article is a study. I mean, it's proof that these are the demographics of the thrift stores. So how can you say it is not meant to help people to find affordable things who need them? That is ridiculous. So thrift stores have a long history. They date back to the early 19th century. The first known one called the Dorcas Society was established in Boston in 1805. A group of women ran the store. They collected and gave away clothing to the poor. And during this time, clothes were frequently, they were handmade and they were passed down from generation to generation and were very valuable. Um, when it was too worn and could no longer fit, it was either repurposed or donated to those in need. So again, this breaks that argument down. Starting from the early 1800s, this was a thrift store who was giving people who really, really needed it clothing that was discarded. And this is from Insta Thrifts, this um, segment. Thrift stores 
grew out of the economic and social problems of the 1800s. The Industrial Revolution brought mass production, which led to a growing divide between the wealthy and the poor. Because of this, religious and charitable groups started collecting used clothes and goods to give to the poor. To give to the poor. Can I just repeat that <laughs> and really drill that in to this whole argument? They never said as a hobby for the weekenders who were wealthy or the, the resellers. They never said that this was to flip. <laughs> okay. During the Great Depression, they became more popular. I already kind of touched on that. And there was also um, resale shops eventually popped up, which is different from a thrift store. Thrift stores are charitable organizations run by donations not really meant for flipping or reselling. You're taking charitable donations, somebody's tax write-offs and buying it at a very low price so you can make a lot of money off of that. That is unethical and wrong. That is why you are suffering from imposter system whenever you get your things this way because I personally think there's something wrong with it. And you know, it doesn't mean I hate you. I'm not gonna call you a horrible person, but I think it's worth examining. And that, I feel like is a really good history to just kind of uh, reinforce what I'm saying. And consignment stores were a little bit different. So consignment stores are something that, in my opinion, I never even knew what that was until I was older because that's for, that's for people who have some money. Um, they're going to be selling fancier, nicer items. Consignment stores are usually um, you work with. So a, a reseller works with a shop owner, and then they get a little bit of that back once the item sells. So that's going to be a little different than a thrift store. Uh, the issue is, is when people who are doing consignment are getting their things from thrift stores, then that I have thought of can be part of the problem as well, especially if they were doing it in large quantities, like mass amounts. So the purpose of secondhand shops, I've heard it said, that thrift stores are placed in the most high profit areas for the sake of making as much money as possible. <sighs> I just want to hit on this note because what a ridiculous thing. So I think that this was on a podcast that I was listening to. The host said that this is the purpose of thrift stores to make as much money as possible. You are wrong. That is not the purpose of thrift stores. Every thrift store I've ever lived near, especially the the ones in the cities, they're placed on the bus line. <laughs> they're placed near neighborhoods of people who are in poverty. If you have ever been to, oh gosh, I don't know. I'm just thinking of a thrift store I went to recently. It was placed in the worst area of town. There are people walking around that were really sketchy looking. I mean, you know, there's bars on <laughs> the windows of the houses surrounding it. Are you really saying that this is going to be the most high profit, high traffic area? I think that that's just ridiculous. Every, you know, crappy apartment I've ever lived in had a thrift store nearby in poor areas, usually multiple. If they're here to compete, how is that more lucrative for them by being near the poor? Or is that just a coincidence? I really, really find this interesting that anybody would say that they're just placed strategically for profit. That's goofy. They are not a business venture. 
So the outlets like the Google bin or Google, the Goodwill bins are usually in more rural areas. They're not as easy to get into as the city. So that's a lie too. That's not really a high profit area. Google bins are usually just kind of placed. Goodwill bins are just usually placed in the outskirts somewhere. Um, again, usually around low income areas. So nobody, again, nobody was really using these before the past five to 10 years, unless it was as a joke or a Halloween costume. So I've spoken to several people who are one or two generations older than I am saying that, yeah, no one used the thrift store unless you're going there for a Halloween costume. Um, my friend Kat told me that whenever she was a child, that you could get flapper dresses. They were on the Halloween rack at the thrift store. That was just, they were super cheap and that's where you could get them and they were plentiful and nobody else was looking for those things. So it's just interesting to think about how the purpose and perspective has changed. And even recently, I remember going to a Savers and you could still sometimes find vintage on the Halloween rack, but usually it was 60s or 70s. But still, that's that's where they put the goofy, flamboyant, older, older things, even even now. For anyone who's looking and wants a little secret. So <laughs> I just want to touch on that video one more time. And I just wanted to ask, because she called the desk trash that was too expensive for her to flip. I just want to know if you really appreciate old things. How can you call them trash or start insulting the, the item whenever you're not getting your way as far as the price goes? I want to know where is your heart at here? Um, it's just an interesting thought. And lastly, I just want to touch on one more time about how Whenever people donate something to a thrift store, they see it as a charitable donation. They see it as a tax write-off. People want to do charitable things, just as I told you about the history in, you know, the 50s or the mid-century, housewives wanted an excuse to re refurbish or refurnish their homes. They see donating as a way to skip the landfill and give it a second chance with someone who's going to love it. And if it's something nice that's worth saving, chances are someone is going to be able to do that. No matter what numbers anyone wants to throw at me about landfills and waste, I know that the majority of things getting sent to the landfills are stained, dirty, worn, pilled, fast fashion that stinks that nobody's going to want to wear anyways. That's just the reality now. So how can you say that it's the nice, higher quality things that you need to save from the landfills that you're reselling. It's, it's a lie. And I would just encourage people to be real about it. Just, you know, say that, just say that that's, just say the truth because I think it's ridiculous. So it becomes not charitable anymore once you're using it for reselling. And I think a lot of people are going to be upset if they knew that the items they're donating from their closet, from grandma's closet, that they thought, you know, I'm just going to, instead of trying to sell this on eBay, I'm just going to hope that somebody gets it for free because I, maybe they don't want to be bothered. Maybe it hurts too much. Maybe the thought of 
not having to go through a transaction of a high amount is going to be more of what they wanted. That's how it is for me when I donate things. Sometimes I just think like I got this for a really good deal or I've had this for such a long time. I just want to give somebody a chance to buy this item for a low price and really enjoy it. I know it's nice, but I'd rather do that than sell it this time. And knowing that there are some people swooping in like vultures to pick it all up and then resell it for their own profits, that's very concerning. And, you know, a lot of resellers claim they're so eco-friendly because of what they're doing, but a lot of them go on these extravagant distance out-of-town buying trips. How much gas are they wasting? What carbon emissions are going into the air? What resources are they wasting by driving all across the country to obtain these items for cheap before flipping them? And they're trying to make it sound like they're heroes for the environment, doing favors to you and I and anyone who buys it. But really, they're not really doing that much for the environment by taking a road trip and then upcharging their items according to however much luxury they want to live in while going on these road trips and saying like, oh, well, this pays for gas, food, lodging, like who knows how they're justifying this and who knows how wasteful it really is. And I just, I don't think that it's any. Next is I see resellers claiming that Goodwill and Salvation Army are doing the same thing that they do, which is selling clothing for a profit. This is wrong. The secondhand stores are usually at fixed and semi-reasonable prices. They're usually donating a portion to charity. Many of them have staff that they need to pay for and provide for. And resellers aren't doing that. Except for maybe, okay, some of them have some models or something that they're paying for way under the going rate. Just to say that they're paying their staff fairly means they're paying a bit over minimum wage. So a lot of times, though, they they call themselves a one-woman show. So I just don't really see that they're donating much to charity or doing anything like, like a nonprofit is going to be doing. So resellers are usually for-profit. And places like Goodwill and Salvation Army are nonprofits. So that is just a ridiculous claim. Um, I've heard, I think this was on the Posh Babe podcast. She is claiming they're doing nothing wrong because she's charging for around the same price that Anthropology and Free People are selling it for. So here's why this isn't okay. These are used items. What makes anybody think that you have the right to make the same amount from something as it was whenever it was new? Um, clothing is not really the same kind of investment that something that grows in value and holds its value, unless it's like a couture designer collectible piece, which most of this is not. Um, most clothing is going to be in the Play-Doh's closet range where it does drop in value once you purchase it and wear it for a while. And it is meant to be affordable after that. So again, it doesn't really, it doesn't really work. Um, Again, what I'm encouraging people to do is a possible solution. There's all This is always going to be changing and growing. But I think that if you have the money to buy slow, sustainable, nice quality fashion, new, and I'm talking about places like that aren't over the top expensive. Like, I don't know if you're into more modern stuff like Pact or Everlane, those places are more like conscious. Um again, I don't know everything about these companies. There's always going to be an issue somewhere, but 
those are more mainstream types of places to consider. And then, and then we could go into the topic of like decent quality repro, which I would need more information on that. I don't even have any recommendations right now. Um, but small designers, smaller designers who are fresh out of school or have their own fashion label and they hand make things with a small team or just by themselves. I think Etsy is a really good place to look at people who are making their own clothing, their own patterns, buy from them. Um, I think that if you aren't able to make your own and that's okay, supporting people that are making clothing from decent materials, I, I would much rather buy from someone who's making something rather than someone who is pricing something and trying to sell it as if they were making something and designing something. And I think that that might put into check a bit more of some of these resellers who are overcharging for items that used to be very affordable and now they're not. And it's not because of inflation. It is maybe a self uh, dictated inflation, but I don't think that that is acceptable. So, you know, do your research, look up how things are made, look up which fabrics are acceptable to you, buy less polyester and synthetics, because, you know, everybody's going to have their own opinions on these. My biggest issue is that they are petroleum byproducts, not the healthiest for your skin or the environment. I'm not going to crucify anybody for wanting to <laughs> buy or wear synthetics. That's fine. Um, semi-synthetics like rayon, I think are a little better, um, in terms of breathability. But again, it's all about doing your research, buying what you're comfortable with, buying what you think you're going to love and appreciate for a long time. And another encouragement is just think about what a capsule wardrobe would be seasonally even, especially if you like vintage. I've been thinking about putting together seasonal capsule wardrobes in bins where you have like spring, summer, fall, winter collection. And then you just rotate that out because if you like old clothing, you probably like old things like old houses and you'll know their closets are smaller. And that's what people did back then. They rotated out their seasonal collections and they bought a little bit less that way, but it was still kind of fresh and new enough because you had different things for each season. Um, and like I said before, if you buy ethically, if you buy fair trade, if you buy organic or higher quality made clothing, if you want to donate it or get rid of it, you'll know that it will find a home likely immediately because of the quality. It's made to stand the test of time and repeated wear. That's not the stuff going to landfills. Many people can enjoy them. We need people who have the money to buy things from ethical, slow fashion places. You need to vote with your dollar. So people that don't have the money to afford these things, they might have a chance at finding some of that in the thrift stores later on. Whenever people discard it or want to buy something fresher or more new, then you know that it's going to someone who really needs it and appreciates it. And I know myself, just because you're poor, just because you're in poverty, living in you know, a apartment with roach problems or, or, you know, just issues or the roof is leaking. It doesn't mean you can't appreciate or use or value or want to wear things that aren't junk. And some people don't care, I guess, but I know many who do. At least you can remain, remain with some dignity if you can look good in a way that makes you feel confident.
So it improves everything for them, their social life, their career prospects, creativity, self-esteem, people that are creating this atmosphere and illusion of anti-reseller rhetoric. They've never been poor for the most part. I can't speak for everybody. They've never had to rely on, on thrift stores as their source of clothing for shopping or other people's charity for basic needs, because if they did, then I don't think they'd be taking advantage and taking all these quality items away from the poor who really rely on and use these things. And if you did grow up poor and you're still doing this, then I think it's worth examining what you're doing and that's and who you're taking it from. And I, I hold you just as accountable if you're guilty of this as well. And I'm just asking for resellers that are, if you're, you know, talking about saving things from landfills, I'd rather see you taking fast fashion or junky clothes from the thrift stores and reselling that. But I know that would never happen because you don't want it either. And that's kind of at the standstill we're at. And if nobody wants the fast fashion, that's what's going to be going to be dumped in the deserts in third world countries. And then where does that leave everything else and everybody else here? Something to think about. If it's something you've done before, I'd love to hear from you if you were considering changing or you have changed or, or you just want to ask some questions. I think that these topics just haven't been discussed enough and that's why I'm bringing them up because a lot of people want to protect what they have and their side hustle and their profits and I understand that but I don't think it's a sustainable business practice to rely on items that are designed for making the lives of the poor a little bit more upbeat, positive, happy, pleasant. Like that just seems and is so wrong to me. So thank you all for joining me. That just about wraps up what I'd like to discuss today. I would love to hear from you what you think, if you have any questions or comments or concerns, respectful concerns, I have to add, then I would love to discuss it with you. So I hope you're having a good start to your summer. Have a good rest of your week. And thank you for joining me today. Take care. From the day when first we saw each in life to play his part.
Oh, God. 